Well, it is October 31st, which you know what that means. Reformation Sunday. Reformation. Did anybody know that that's what today was, actually? Reformation Sunday. So a quick Bible lesson for those of you that, uh, well, you're here in church, so I assume you want the Bible. But um, so in, uh, it was October 31st, 1517, and there was a gentleman named Martin Luther, and uh, he was a monk at that time, and nobody knew back then that the sound of his hammer hitting the door of that cathedral in Wittenberg, Germany, would echo throughout the entire world and led, would eventually, uh, it eventually led to what became known as the Protestant Reformation. Up until that time, the Catholic Church was pretty much the only church, the universal church, and it was set forth by the king. And, um, and Martin Luther challenged some things because what was happening in the Catholic Church, believe it or not, uh, was people would, would sin, and you would come, and you would give confessions to your priest, and the priest is like, no problem, um, that's going to be $100. Ooh, you committed adultery last night? That's going to be $5,000. Um, oh, you lied? Uh, that's going to be $250 today. And you're like, it was only $100 last week. And so literally, the priests were doing that, and the archbishops and, and the leaders in the church, their pockets were getting fatter the more that you sinned. And so there really wasn't a sense of reverence or holiness. And uh, some of you are like, man, that sounds pretty good. If I could just pay my way out. No, you don't have to. Jesus paid the price, so don't think that way. And, uh, and so what happens is these guys start buying land and houses and everything else, and then a few people are standing up saying, this isn't right. And then with this one guy, Martin Luther, um, and he, he decided on October 31st, it was the day before All Saints Day, which was November the 1st, the day before All Saints Day, he said, I'm going to write a thesis on why I think this is wrong. And so he wrote the, what became known as the 95 Thesis, challenging all the leaders in the church all the way up to the Pope, telling them that you can't buy salvation. No, it's actually a free gift. Like Ephesians chapter 2 says, Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us that for by grace you have been saved through your faith. It's not by your own doing. You can't just buy your way out. Jesus is the only way. And that led to massive persecution. And then about five years later, he got excommunicated from the Catholic Church. They said, we're not going to argue with you anymore. Get out of here. And so they shunned him out, and he left. And, uh, and October 31st was forever known as Reformation Sunday. So for those of you getting dressed up, going door-to-door -to -door tonight, just remember, it started with Martin Luther, okay? All right, so... Free history lesson. It was free, free of charge. You get what you pay for, right? So anyways, welcome to Authentic Church. Hey, I want to take a moment uh, just to honor two people that are in our midst today. Uh, you know, when you launch out in any endeavor of life, uh, especially when you, when you do something like planting a church, uh, it can feel very lonely at times. And uh, God knew what we needed and some very close friends that are amazing to our hearts, and it brings me to tears to see them. Tanya, stop crying. It brings me to tears to see them in our church today. You're in Tanya, would you just stand up really quick so we can just honor you? They're amazing, longtime friends of ours, and um, they, 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 when we said we're gonna plant a church, they were all in saying yes, they were giving us money, they were praying for us, and they've been praying for you before you got here. 
So them walking into the church today, it's things that they only saw in their prayers, and now they're seeing it in person. And you guys, it's just so beautiful to have friends like that. Get you some good friends that love the Lord and that cheer you on. People that are telling you that they're doubters, they're haters, I'm telling you what, you need to clip and cut that relationship off. You don't need that feeding into your spirit in your life, especially in the day and age when we live in. Go get yourself some good friends, godly friends, like a Yura and Tanya, and uh, your life will be better for it. Amen? Amen. So good to have you guys here in the house with us today. Authentic Church, we are, um, we are passionate about the presence of God, as you can tell from uh, our worship time. Um, I never wanted to have a church where it was just kind of show up, sing one or two songs, and go home. Um, I wanted to show up and actually worship the King of Kings and give him what he's due. And I think, I think sometimes our, our Sunday mornings in, in the football stadiums across the NFL look more like what the house of God should look like. And, uh, and so I get excited about the things of God. I get excited for worship. And uh, today I'm going to share with us on the topic of the presence-driven life. Because we talk a lot about our house, this church, being a, a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven driven church. Because we value the presence of God, we value the Bible, the Word of God, and we believe that there is a, there's the Holy Spirit who is God's greatest gift to us as believers, that we should live a Spirit-empowered and Spirit-filled life. So today, we're going to unpack a little bit about the presence-driven life. Um, I want to honor a pastor that's, that's been serving in this area for years and years. His name's Rick Warren, and he wrote a phenomenal book called The Purpose-Driven Life. Pastor Rick's approaching the age of retirement, and he's going to be uh, retiring and passing his church on. But one of the gifts that he gave to the body of Christ was this book, The, Purp the Purpose-Driven Life. And I just want to flip the script a little bit on us today with that thought about having a presence-driven life. So we're going to jump into some scriptures based on the story of David going after the ark that's found in 2 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to 2 Samuel in chapter 6, and we're going to go there. If you do not have your Bible, last year we got a Black Friday special with these two beauties, and so if you don't have your Bible, we will put a Bible up on the, on the screen for you, okay? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into God's Word, amen? God, we thank you for your Word. God, we're asking you to come and speak. God, we didn't come to hear a man speak. We came to hear you speak today, Lord. Your word is what we need to hear in, in our spirits and in our hearts. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak. Give us ears to hear from you. Give us eyes to see something we never saw before in scriptures, God. Give us minds understanding, Lord God. Give us hearts to believe you at your word. We love you, Lord, and we just welcome you. We welcome you in this place, God. Continue to do what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. All right, are you there? So 2 Samuel 6, let me give you a little bit of the backstory as to what's going on. So there's the children of Israel. Those are the people of God. And a few weeks ago, I talked to you about prayer and entering the tabernacle. Do you remember that message? And so we, we enter the tabernacle and when you came in, there was the, the, you came into the gates and then there was the outer courts. And in the outer courts, there was the brazen altar where the sacrifices were offered. Then there was the laver where they would wash up. 
And then they would go into the tent of meeting, into the holy place. And in there, there would be the candelabra. There was the table of showbread. And then there was the altar of incense. And then past the altar of incense, there was a veil. And it entered into the holy of holies. That was the most holy place. And that's where the ark of God was placed. And the ark of God had two cherubim. And they kind of have their arms out. We'll see a picture a little bit later on in the message today. That was the ark of God. That was where the presence of the Lord dwelt. And the Lord would lead the children of Israel with a cloud by day and with a fire by night. And so the children of Israel, they're serving God. Years goes by and, and, and some of the priests start to do really bad things, kind of like along the lines that led Martin Luther to go and challenge the Catholic Church of the day. And there was a priest named Eli and his sons, and they were just irreverent for the presence of God. Well, what ends up happening is the presence of God, the ark of God, ends up getting lost in battle. Actually, the Philistines steal it from them. And they take that away, and they put the ark uh, into uh, one of their temple gods to, to be worshipped. And uh, there was, I won't go into the backstory if you want to read about it. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 4, 5, and 6. And so uh, it shares the story of what happens there. Well, fast forward, God's plan at that time was for the children of Israel, they would have judges and they would have prophets they would have prophets that would hear from God and give instructions, and then they would have judges that would settle disputes and also carry out the instructions of God to the people. And so that's how, that's how history went. But then the children of Israel like, we want, we want a king like all these other nations have. And that wasn't God's plan. But God finally said, okay, fine, give them a king. And so they have they had a, a, a gentleman by the name of Saul, King Saul, ends up getting anointed, and he becomes the king. King Saul reigns for about 20 years, and some good stuff started out in his life, and then a lot of bad. And then David comes onto the scene. So David comes onto the scene, and he is the, the successor. The, 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 he wasn't supposed to be the heir, but because of the failings of Saul, God ends up uh, having the prophet Samuel anoint David as king. So David's king. So this is where we pick up the story. As soon as David becomes the king, he ends up going after God's presence. So 2 Samuel verse 6 or chapter 6 verse 1. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000 of them. He and his men went to Bela in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. And they set the ark of God on a new cart, and they brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ohio, not Ohio, Ohio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ohio was walking in front of it. So they're walking, they have the cart, they have the ark, and then in verse 5, David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. So they're just worshiping, they're praising God. They have castanets, harps, lyres, trimbles, sistrums, and cymbals. They're banging their drums, they're worshiping. Verse six, when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God. Bad move. The oxen stumbled. You were never supposed to touch the ark of God. You were supposed to carry it on the poles that it had. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act, the irreverence. That's how they lost the ark of God in the first place. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry that the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. 
David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how in the world am I going to ever get this thing back? Verse 10, he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Let me read verse 11 again. The ark of the Lord, the presence of God, remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. When I was praying into the message this week, I felt so strongly that the Lord said in three months there's going to be a turnaround. There's somebody here, it feels like, man, you've just been trudging along and you've been praying, you've been fasting, and I just felt like the Lord is saying, give it three months. Give it three months, get into my presence. I'm with you. There's going to be a turnaround in three months. Verse 12, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything that he has because of the ark of God. So David's like, well, I want that blessing. So he went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. He's thinking, maybe, maybe the Lord's anger's done. Let's go get the ark. Let's bring it into its place. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And while he and all of Israel were bringing the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. So get this. So Saul was king for 20 years, over 20 years. And he never once went and got the ark. Never once. He knew about the ark. Everybody knew about the ark of God. They were taught that. He knew about it. They heard stories about it. They were raised hearing all these incredible things of what God did for the children of Israel with Moses and how they got delivered out of Egypt, like the song we sang this morning. He knew about it, but he never went and got it. You see, Saul's the type of leader. He was more about the position than the presence of God. Saul was about position. David was about the presence. I get really leery of, of leaders when they're all about a position or a title versus God's presence. I love the people that are like, you just tell me when to show up and I'll do whatever you want me to do, like my buddy Chris Soto and Allison and Nicole and Jason and Rafe and, I, and everybody, okay, all y'all. It's, all, it's, all, it's always a tough thing when you start naming names in the church because then somebody's just sitting there, they never mention my name. <laughs> oh, no, they never mention my name. Old Eeyore. What are we going to do? <laughs> Some people are concerned more with the programs and the plans of men than they are with the presence of God. Some people are more concerned with the programs that they have at work versus bringing the presence of God into that workplace because God placed you there for a, a purpose, that there's an anointing on you for business to go and bring the presence of God into a place and into a people that hadn't been in touch with the presence of God. Don't be so concerned with a position or a program or the day-to-day -day when you miss out on God's presence. You know, God honored David. You know, the Jerusalem, there it's called the city of David. All throughout the scriptures, you'll hear Jerusalem and city of David and they're interchanged. You know why God called Jerusalem the city of David, the holy city? Why'd he call it? 
because David was a man after his own heart. Even with all of David's screw-ups, and man, they are many. There are many. But he was known as, that's a man after my own heart. God looked at him and said, that's my boy. Are you a man after God's own heart? Are you a woman after God's own heart? Are you passionate about God's presence? I want to, today, my goal is to give us an invitation to get back into aligning our lives, recalibrating, aligning our lives with the centrality of Christ in his presence every single day. You can get into his presence every single day. And when you get into his presence, he begins to give you downloads and crazy ideas like move to California from Texas and plant a church. He'll give you downloads and crazy ideas like start that business or go after that degree. Or I want, I'm going to give you a turn in your family. I want you actually to extend an, this olive branch of peace to that friend or that relative that needs a touch from Jesus. When you get into God's presence, he does crazy things. So the ark gets recovered. So where they recovered the ark, uh, it was eight miles outside of the city of David when they go and pick it up from Obed-Edom. So it's eight miles outside of the city of David. And it said every six steps they would stop. And thank God. Why six steps? Well, there's, there's seven days in the week. You work for six. But on that seventh day, the Sabbath day, you would stop and you would honor God. So every six steps, they would stop before they took that seventh step. And they'd say, God, this next step right here, we're just going to honor you. We're going to worship you. And they, would, they did it elaborately. Every six steps. So one, two, three, four, five six. Stop. And they would just have a worship service. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stop. And they would have a worship service. It's 2,347 sacrifices over eight miles before they even get into the city of God, before they place the ark where it was supposed to be. And they're worshiping. Now, I'm not telling you to get out of bed in the morning tomorrow <laughs> and take six steps. But before you get up, could you just say, God, thank you for this day. I woke up today. Somebody had a loved one that couldn't say that. God, I thank you I'm alive today. It's breath in my lungs. Thank you, Lord, that I can get out of bed. Thank you that I could walk. Thank you that I, 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 I can eat. Thank you for the food. Thank you I have a house. Thank you I got a bed that I could sleep in this last night. Thank him. Just thank him. So David quickly found out that not everybody was as excited about God's presence as he was. <laughs> and so he brings the ark in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20. David returns home to bless his household. And, and Michael, his, his wife, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. So Saul was the guy that David replaced, right? Well, when he beat Goliath, he got a few trinkets, and one of them was a wife named Michael. And so he, David, David comes home to bless his household. Michael, Saul's daughter, comes out to meet him and says, oh, how the king of Israel has defiled himself. And she's just, she's so upset that he's going crazy. He took off his outer robe, and he's just dancing and praising God and just having a good time, worshiping God and giving him glory. That's what he looked like, right? There, like that, that's what he, he just looked like, you know? I know. Invite me to your wedding. I will, I will light up the dance floor. 
So David's dancing and worshiping, and his wife's like, so embarrassed because she was more about the position like her dad than she was about the presence of God like her husband. You can be in proximity to the presence of God, but if you don't have the reverence for him, you won't feel the presence. That's why you can come to a worship service like this and one person's over here crying, this person's singing in the Holy Spirit and Kara's on her knees and she's worshiping her heart out and you're like, I feel nothing. (laughs) You gotta hit the pause button, recalibrate, recalibrate. But don't be like Michael. Check out what happens. So she comes out. She's, she's like, oh my goodness, look at you. Verse 21, David says to Michael, you thought this was for you, honey? No, this is a, it was before the Lord who chose me. Your dad didn't choose me. God chose me. So I'm going to worship him the way that I feel best says I love you and I'm thankful and I'm grateful. <laughs> you didn't choose me, honey. And neither did your dad, okay? He's saying, God chose me. Man, when he appointed me. So I'm gonna celebrate before the Lord. In the next verse. He said, I'm gonna become even more undignified than this. I'll be humiliated. I don't mind. I'll look like a moron. I don't care. You know, if you came into worship and you're like, yeah, it's a little off today, Pastor Jeff, or... No offense, it's not for you. It's not. I love you, and I love you enough to say that our worship in this house isn't for you. Our worship in this house isn't for somebody that doesn't even have a relationship with Jesus so that we'll be cool and attractional enough so that maybe they'll come in and tip their dough in the water and say, oh, that was a good service. No, that's not why we gather together as the people of God. We gather together as the people of God to be strengthened and encouraged, equipped for the work of ministry, and on Sundays to encounter his presence and give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords what he's due. We worship him. We're passionate about his presence. If he's pleased, then I'm happy. You know, after after I'm done on, on a Sunday, my question before the Lord and just my quiet time Sometimes I'll do it in the back room when I'm putting stuff away and nobody sees me. I'll just say, Lord, did that please you? Was there anything that didn't please you today? Did I miss the mark? Did I zig when you wanted me to zag? (laughs) Did I sing when you told me to shut up? Or was I quiet when you asked me to sing? And if he's pleased, then I'm happy. I learned a long time ago in ministry and in life that if you live by the opinions of men, You're going to die by them. But if you live for the pleasure of your Savior, if you live for the pleasure of God, where he's like, man, he screws up sometimes, but man, that's a man after my own heart. Then you experience freedom. And that's one of the reasons why we're so passionate about the encounter retreat that's coming up next weekend. Like, I can't even tell you how many lives we have seen changed from going on the encounter retreat that we were bringing to Authentic Church. There's literally people I know that spend thousands of dollars to go to a retreat like what we're doing for the church. And we, we grew up, when we got saved, we grew up with the encounter retreat. We grew up with hitting the pause button 
and we would have it two times a year. And then we had to have it every other month because so many people were getting saved and they were hearing about it and they were saying, I wanna go to this encounter retreat. I can't believe what's happened in your life and your life and your life. Man, I wanna go and experience it. When's the next one? And we would have people that would drive into town, fly into town just to go to an encounter retreat because it was so impactful. They saw the impact. So I, small plug, and I'll get back to the message. If you're not signed up, I wanna encourage you, sign up. If you gotta get a babysitter, anything shy of a stranger guy on Craigslist, go get a babysitter, okay? <laughs> Be there. Do what you gotta do to get there. So we're, we're passionate about the presence of God. You know, I don't, I don't know that the enemy is threatened by a dead, lifeless church. Um, I don't know that the enemy is, I, I just don't think that he is. I think he's totally satisfied and leaves people alone that are just kind of like the check the box people. Get up, check the box, went to church, sang a few songs, give the pastor a B on the message, worship was a B plus, you know, whatever. His wife is awesome, I give her an A, you know. I, don't, I just don't think, like the, the graders, I just don't think the critics, I, I, I just don't think that, that the devil is threatened by those people or those churches. I just, I just don't. But the ones that are sold out passionate, pr presence driven in their lives, where they're just like, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'm gonna do it, that are just wild in their obedience to God. The simplicity of living the Christian life is this. Hear, obey. Okay, I, I obeyed. I need to hear some more. Hear, obey. This morning I woke up. I'm reading Proverbs 31. It's all about my wife. And for you married guys, it's about your wife too. The, the woman of God, right? It's all about, and I'm reading it, and I felt so convicted on some areas in, in honoring and loving my wife. None of your business. But I felt some things. Hear, obey. Just hearing and obeying. What is God telling you to do? When's the last time you heard God speak to you? I, I mean that. When's the last time you felt like, I got a download from God? Because he says his sheep hear his voice, right? We talked about that in the frequency series. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Right? So, so we long for that presence. We have to initiate. We have to take a moment to Pursue the presence of God in our lives. I feel like the church needs new wine. It's one of the things that I, I really felt strongly uh, this week. Is like, you know what, Lord, we got a wine skin. Now come and fill it with some new wine. And you know, some people get so enamored about how cool their wine skin looks. Oh man, this is the coolest wine skin that they forget the purpose. They don't even know when the wine is dry. They don't even know when there's no more wine in the wineskin. The purpose of the wineskin isn't to look cool and shiny and all that stuff and the smoke and the lights and blah, blah, blah. The purpose of the wineskin is to house the wine so that anybody that drinks from the wine is going to be filled. If, if, if it's old wine, that wineskin, it's worth nothing. The church is not the church because how shiny or cool it looks. The church is the church because of what it holds. And when Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, he gave us the Holy Spirit in the lives of us as the church and the believers, and we have that new wine. And there's a refilling that happens. There's a refilling that happens when we just get into the presence of God, where we just say, Lord, come and have your way in my life. 
come and bring great purpose in my life. Show me your ways that I may walk in it. Is there anything inside of me that I need to get right? Is there any, any areas, God, is there any sin that I'm not repented of, God? Or maybe there's sin I've repented of, but man, Lord, I need to get free in this. Come to the encounter retreat. You're going to get free in it. I'm telling you. It's going to be powerful. You were born to encounter God's presence. In the Old Testament, the ark housed the presence of God. In the New Testament, you house the presence of God. The church houses the presence of God. We're called to be carriers and the minister of the presence of God. So David brings the ark of God back into the city of David. And I feel like we as a church, we're charged, every church has been given this charge. You are to bring the presence of God into your city. You're to bring, just like he was bringing it back to his house, you're to bring the presence of God into your house. You're to bring, it's totally cool. I've had five kids, they all cried. Especially Brighton. It's okay. <laughs> just kidding. She just turned 16 a week and a half ago. And so... <laughs> I didn't mean to make you cry just now. I'm sorry if I made you cry. Auntie Tanya made me cry earlier. All right. In the 15th chapter of the book of Matthew, so Jesus warns us of what can happen in our gatherings when we don't really value the presence of God. And, and he makes this statement in, in Matthew chapter 15, and it's actually a statement that he, he, uh, he borrowed from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 24. Actually, that's not right, because he spoke it to Isaiah, so he's borrowing from himself. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> so Jesus is quoting himself that he quoted through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 24, okay? So Isaiah 24 says this, and then Jesus quotes it. He says, people honor me with their words, for their hearts are so very distant from me. They pretend to worship me, but their worship is nothing more than the empty traditions of men. I don't, I don't want to just come and just kind of sing some songs. I don't want to just come and sort of worship. I don't want empty traditions, right? That's where you have what happened in the, in the, the Protestant Reformation where Martin Luther's like, ah, time out, something's off here, right? We value the presence of God. I don't want to wake up tomorrow and have another week of my same routine. I don't want to live the last two months of 2021 without the presence of God. I don't want to go into 2022 and it'll be here like that. I don't want to go into 22 based on some good plans, some good ideas, versus, then the, pre versus the presence of God and the plans of God and the download of God. No, I want to end this year, the next two months, I want to end strong as a church. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit in our gatherings. I want when we gather together on our pursuit night this Wednesday, I want it to be a powerful prayer time. When we gather for the encounter retreat, whoosh, I just want the presence of God there. When you're having your alone time with God tomorrow morning, my prayer is the presence of God is there. My prayer is that we wake up tomorrow morning and actually wake up a little bit early. We, we coordinate the rest of our day around him. If you start with him, I promise you, you'll end strong with him. When people try to fit the Lord in, suddenly time runs out, right? It's like somebody that tithe, tries to tithe the 10% at the end of the month versus when you got paid. <laughs> the first 10 It says the first 10% is our tithe, not the last 10%. What's the, what, what, what's the tithe? The tithe is the first 10% that leaves our hands. That's, that's actually what the, the tithe is. It's the first 10% that went out of our hands. And we're saying, God, I trust you with this 90% left in my hands. 
I, I, I'm trusting that you're going to do more with the 90% than I could have done with all of the 100. So David brings the presence of God back to his people. I was blessed growing up. Uh, every church I was in, and I've only been in two churches, uh, my pastors were worshipers. They were actually former worship leaders. Myself, I personally could never go to a church where the pastor was not a worshiper. Now, he doesn't have to be a worship leader gifted and talented on a, a keyboard or a guitar or what have you. But I do believe he needs to be a man of worship. I do believe she needs to be a woman of worship. Some, because Why? Because the anointing flows from the top down. If we value the presence of God, that's going to get into every area of our ministries, our lives, our kids' ministry, the greeters, sound, people setting up the, the, the signs. You know, we don't just put out the signs. Actually, the guys that are going and putting out the signs, they're praying, Lord, let whoever sees this sign be touched by your presence, God. As people are being drawn, they're just driving by on fair drive. They don't even realize, man, there's a church there. The presence of God's there. So when the people are putting out the signs, they're actually praying over the signs and over every person that's going to see it that their eyes are going to see the goodness of God, that they're actually going to come in contact with the presence of God. We're hungry for the presence of God in every aspect of our church. Romans 12, 11 is a good reminder. Paul wrote this. He said, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot, radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit, and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. I'm going to have the worship team come up and join me as we close today. You know, how do you get back in the presence of God? It's a good question. Somebody's been there before. It's very, very simple. You think about and you recall to memory something good about God. The book of Deuteronomy is known as the book of remembrance. All throughout the book, the, it's, there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the, in, in the Bible, fifth book in the Pentateuch. And the book of Deuteronomy is all about remember the Lord, remember the Lord. So we recall and we remember what God has done. So we're going to take communion today as a body. And I just want to read this scripture out of 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25. And then we're going, to, we're going to have a time of communion and prayer. Verse 23, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he gave him thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Can we just remember something that the Lord has done for us? Just in your own heart, your own mind. God, thank you. God, I, I remember when I was lost and you, you just showed up in my life. I, I remember when you healed me. I remember, God, when I didn't know how I was going to make it through the month and you miraculously provided for my family. God, I thank you. I remember when I was just living for myself apart from you and then I, I had an experience, an encounter with you and you changed my life. Let's all just stand together as we close today. I'm going to have the prayer team go ahead and come up on both sides of the
with the altar up here. We're going to take communion as a, as a church. And when you take communion, when you come up, we don't want to do it irreverent. We want to come up, take communion, and have a moment with God. This is a chance to do business with the Lord. This is a chance to say, Lord, I'm coming back to you. I've gotten away from your presence. If, you've, if, you, if that's you, today you're coming back to the presence of God. If you've walked away from God, well, good news, you're back in the house of God. This is a good day to get right with the Lord. And you just call on him. Just say, Lord, will you forgive me? God, will you just forgive me? Will you renew a right spirit in me? Lord, would you just save me? God, I, I put up my, plate, my, my faith and my, my trust in you, Jesus. Come and fill me again. Fill me today. If you need prayer for anything, when you come forward to take communion, just step over to one of us here. We'll be up front. And we would be so honored to pray with you, come into agreement with you, whatever the prayer is in your life. We're going to have communion as Kara's going to close us out with this song. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.